Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dreammaker Pride Podcast. My name is Stephen R. Burns. You've probably seen a few of my videos on YouTube or a Writer's Life Academy. And this podcast, I'm really, really excited to introduce someone to you guys today, Marcus William Kasnich, who has an unbelievable story. And this podcast, of course, is going to be for entrepreneurs, artists, and what I call those in the game. And I'll explain that as we go. But for now, happy to have Marcus here with us. Marcus, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's nice to be here. <laughs> so, and you guys are going to hear me say this a lot, but because we want to stop, we talk about entrepreneurship. A lot of it is, is not just starting out, but it's starting over. And so when we're talking about that, we need to go to the beginnings. I, I find it fascinating when I'm talking to entrepreneurs, what, you know, sort of how they things form for them, why they, you know, did the things that they do and how they got there. And so, Marcus, let's start with you. Um, and you've I know you've talked about this before, but there is a, a certain story that something that happened when you were young that directly, it would seem, led to you and what you do now as a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, a lot of people ask me this question, like, what inspired you or what was the catalyst? And I think for a lot of people, there is a catalyst. In my particular case, it was young. I was very young. I was 10 years old. And I, um, I, was, I was raised in um, north, uh, southern Ontario, Canada. So during the winter, we would, we would be outside playing and we were playing on a swing set and daring each other to climb on top of these old A-frame swing sets. And I climbed to the top, slipped, and the hood of my jacket caught a bolt on the edge of a swing set, and I slowly hung to death. And um, went through the whole near-death process or, or, you know, death experience, having went right into death and then coming out on the other side. And then eventually being brought back out of that experience. And I remember one of the biggest things of that was when I came back into the, into the body, when I, when I kind of reemerged back into life after having an experience of something else, I remember thinking, oh, this is life. So mm. this was a, a lot of people think, wow, was that a powerful mystical experience? And it was. It was incredibly powerful to have a near-death experience. But for me, it was really, again, I've said this many times, it's about context. Because if you don't ever get the context of something else, you often can't see from a different perspective where you're at. So I had the experience of non-life, something else, something outside of what we deem as reality. And then coming back into it, I could never have the same relationship to what people deem as this reality in this life ever again. And I think that was one of the most, even though I wasn't aware of it at the time, I think this was one of the most powerful catalysts that generated creating me as a seeker to now really want to experience the human experience like wanting to explore study examine the human experience because i had something else i had an experience of something else and that context offered me the option to look at things differently right right and so now so you're 10 years old and let's fast forward uh when this happens which you know um is is kind of a crazy sort of thing but we but we when we're 10 we don't process this the same way that you look back on it so now you're in your early 20s and um and you're still at this point in Canada right mm -hmm. okay so yeah. what what part of 
like during that time, let's say during your early 20s, maybe you're going to university or just post-university, where that event that happened when you were 10 now starts to really reverberate? Yeah, so, I mean, again, you can't process something like that at 10. You're, right. You just don't have the psychological capacity to do it. But I wasn't aware of how much it affected me. But then I spent the next high school and my early 20s trying to integrate unconsciously that experience because I had this really, I don't know, I would say insatiable desire to understand human dynamics, conditioning, behavior, how we function. And it, and for me, I had to learn how to do it because when I came back, my world became this fluid experience. It was like I was forced now to examine things because I could see things differently within myself in a way that, I mean, many, maybe many other people hadn't. So I had this kind of like I was thrust into being awake to my own conditioning and now I was forced to examine it. And so my 20s were really about going to university as an experience to, and really to study psychology, to understand humans, to understand why we do what we do. Because now I could watch it, I could see it, I could see it in myself, and I could see it in people, and I could see how heavily conditioned and how deeply, profoundly affected we are by our own unconscious patterns. All of that started to really become apparent to me and so that made me drive this drive to want to understand, to explore, to, to, uh, to experience and have some kind of insight into what the hell is going on, what we call this human experience and, and how does this all work. So I became a seeker. Like it, it really created me to start exploring. And then university wasn't enough. Like I thought, you know, university would give me the answers. And there was, a, there was an aspect of those answers that were powerful, but it wasn't, it didn't meet all of the unanswered questions that I still had. So that made me start seeking alternatively outside of the realm of like the traditional. So I started going into the alternative world to start exploring and, 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 and experience and, and studying to try to understand what was going on with me and my own perception and why it seemed to be vastly different from everybody else's reality and also how people function and what I was witnessing. So, I mean, inadvertently, this put me on a path to deeply and profoundly explore human development, the human potential, all of those aspects of ourselves. And so, I was forced to do that. So, so if you're, so this, this idea of being a seeker, which, um, you know, we, we talk about, and you're also an artist, people should know that. But when we talk about artists and entrepreneurs, there's something, there's always something that seems to be a you know, the, a push, right? And so now we're, we're going to take you forward because you have the, you have a great story, and you you end up moving to British Columbia, and mm -hmm. you're there for a year, um, right? You and you live in the forest. This is, folks, this is true. Yeah. Um, you can't make this shit up. Um, <laughs> and then you end up in Los Angeles. And and tell me about tell me about that because I mean you're still in California, right? You you live Yeah, I still live in California now, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. So moving out, um, there's somebody else that's coming on the show who also was is from Canada, is actually from Ottawa and is now out in Colorado. But the same kind of drive. So tell me about that and how that came about to get to where you are right now. Right. Well, I did when I started exploring after university, during university, I started exploring alternative health. And I, I kind of burnt out. Like I was just exploring, exploring, learning, learning, learning. And I got to this point where I was kind of done. 
And I, I wasn't sure what the next step was for me. I didn't really have a teacher or a guide at that point. I just had this unanswered question and all these things going on. And I knew that nature would hold some kind of answer for me. And I was kind of exhausted with what I was observing in the human condition and I was done. So I said, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the secular world. I'm leaving the world. I sold everything I owned. I got rid of everything. I cut my credit cards and I oh, put a backpack on with um, basically 70 pounds of everything I owned. And I went into the forest for a year and lived off the land. And um, <laughs> that in itself is a whole story. But the, yes. the whole thing about that was very interesting because I hitchhiked around the mountains of British Columbia and lived for a year basically in the forest. And um, a lot of people think it's a very romantic notion to go live in off the land and it's blissful. And it is. You get become organically connected to the earth in a different way. The other thing that happens is that you start to stop projecting and you start to very much have to really engage with your own madness, your own mind, your, the stuff that's when there's nobody around and there's nothing to project on. Now you're on your own and you and now all the things your conditioning is even more, more, more loud in your head because there's nothing to project it on. You're just with yourself. So I did a lot of journaling. Uh, there was a lot of times of blissful moments of meditation and being connected to the earth, but there was also times of unraveling my own mind and observing my own conditioning at even a more deeper level. And then eventually, having left that, there was a point where I realized I couldn't keep living like this. That, that it wasn't enough to live in the forest. I mean, I met a lot of people who were there for 20 years and doing that, like these guys with old beards and dogs, and they were living out and they're like, what year is it? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't want to end up like that. Like this, you know, there's a, there's a part of me that could have ended up like that, but there was a bigger part of me that's like, there's more to do. And um, I ended up in, and after that, I ended up in, a, in an ashram, uh, 11 years in a monastic community studying meditation. So I went from living in the forest to living in an ashram for 11 years, giving, I still had no possessions, no anything, and kind of exploring this whole spiritual idea of things in that context. And then um, there was a point where, again, I recognized that's not enough for me. And then in mm. 2012, and this in, I came back into the world, 2011, 2012, no possessions, no money, no assets, no nothing. And I said, with all of the things that I've learned, all of the things that I've experienced, all the studying that I've done, all of the okay. journey, self-investigation, self meditation, I should be able to take all of those spiritual skills and translate them into the practical world of business. And so it became my, my goal, my vision to step back into the secular world and start entrepreneurship, a business using and applying all these principles of human dynamics and coaching and, and working with people, which I had started doing when I was in the community and working with the ashram. I had a client base where I was starting coaching, but I wasn't really serious about it. And then I had to translate that all into a functional business, pragmatic thing in the world and come back in the world. And I said, if I could do all this, and I was highly successful in the spiritual world and met many amazing beings, if I could have all of that in this context, then technically, I should be able to translate it into a practical context in the secular world. And that's what I did. I started, I came back in the world with nothing and built my business from the ground up in 2012 to a six-figure business in, in about three or four years. Applying all those skills and putting them into this new container of entrepreneurship. So right? that, yeah, so that's like, 
so again, that for a lot of our listeners, this is, you know, you're starting out the business, you're starting out a business, or if you're an artist and you're listening to this, um, because, you know, being an artist, part of the reason I include that, and I'm saying this, obviously, I have my own writing course, and I've been writing forever. Um, it's, it's, it's the same idea. So now you're, you've taken this, uh, you've gone from having literally nothing to, to building up this business. Talk to me about, I won't ask you which was a bigger struggle and maybe you can attack these one by one. One, what was, what was the biggest struggle to build up your business? And two was leaving us the monastic community, which, um, I can say I'm familiar with monastic communities, at least to some extent, which is very different than, for example, living in the forest by yourself. But it's also very different than living like in a secular world situation. Right. Like in, you know, when you're in a big city. So which of those or um, let maybe just take them one by one. What was the hardest part in building your business? And the second part is, was that a big adjustment for you when you left that community? And coming back into sort of the regular, everyday, fast-paced society. Well, I'll say it was a shock. Um, it was <laughs> the transition was real. <laughs> the struggle was real. Uh, to be able to move from a very introspective life into back into the the madness of distraction, and and the, and just the sense overload of everything that's going on. I wasn't a part of pop culture. I wasn't a part of all that. I was aware of it, but I was engaged with it. So coming back in, and I came back in with a family and with a with a with a partner. I mean, I, I was coming back into the world, basically started from scratch, but with you know, starting really built, like starting like like kind of really living a regular secular life. And that was hard, just it, it was just the transition was difficult just because it's such a different way of thinking. And there's so many distractions in the world. That was a big deal. Um, but the thing that was difficult for me was being able to translate all of those tools, all of those skills, which, by the way, everybody has. Like, there's a certain level of mastery and skills that people have. And then being able to understand the value of that, because now I had to charge money. I had to figure out how to monetize this thing that was just a natural way that I function. Now, when I was in the community, I was also the counselor and the healer and the teacher and the and the, the coach for like for people from all over the world. So I was already involved in that process, but I never monetized it. I never created a business out of it. So now I had to figure out, okay, first of all, how much value that was, because I didn't recognize how much value was there. And this is a big thing for most entrepreneurs. They don't know yes. their, their gift is their value. They don't know how much in, intangible value that is. And then how do you take that intangible value and translate that into something that you can now live off? So that was a that was a struggle to figure to be able to get enough self worth to understand the gift and talent that I had to offer what what I had to offer, and then the second right. thing was the container right I had to now build the container and understand how do I build a system a a way of translating that so people could receive it and then monetize it into a product or a way a service that was still following what felt real to me and, and integrous to what I, who I was, but also was, was determining the value by giving up, putting a dollar sign on it. And I, I've seen this with many entrepreneurs who have an artist too, because I am an artist and I did go through that process, but being able to put value on your work, right? right. That's a hard thing. It's not an easy <clears throat> thing to do, especially when your mindset 
you're not understanding the value of your own gift, right? Yeah, so that, that well, that was a very big challenge for me. Uh, yeah, I and I just want to touch on that because I, I want to add to that a little bit because I can tell you this as a writer is last year when I when I first created my online writing course and this is stuff that I've done forever for free for people, right? Now I've worked as a professional editor for ye, you know a number of years now. But outside writing help is something that I've always done, whether it's my colleagues, um, you know, working at a school or wherever I'm working um, or people, just friends, acquaintances. Hey, you know, Stephen, can you can you write this up for me? Can you help me? Can you look over this speech for me? And I've done it forever for free. And so now creating this course to help people do this thing that I'm really good at, um, it was it, it was hard for me to, to, to put a dollar figure on that. And I, I think that that is, I think that there are two things that you touched on. I think that are right. And, and I think the first thing um, is understanding that <clears throat> if you're listening to this, <laughs> you have a gift, you there, you have something that n- other people don't have. And whether it's a passion for, um, you know, I saw on my, my Twitter feed, there, there's somebody who had a passion for making these like little thick figures like and they're really they're really cute right and so now that's a business for her right Mm -hmm. so everybody has a gift and they and the second thing is is that i love what you said about self-worth because i think now of course this is also part of your field is helping people find that right um but but if you if as an entrepreneur you you have to and as an artist by the way um, I can tell you this from sending in all kinds of different articles and basic rejection. You have to have, <clears throat> excuse me, that understand that you you have self worth. Like that's it feels like it's inextricable from from being an entrepreneur um, at all. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, every human inherent there's inherently something unique about the way you see the world, right? And so right. that's an individual has a unique perspective. There is no other being that can see the world and filter that through your consciousness, your unique perspective. And, and, and a lot of people have talents that they don't even know are talents. So that's a big deal. And then the, then the, the question of value is like, then how the, the translation of that is, is always challenging. And so we we're used to offering value. And I mean, really as an entrepreneur, that's what you're doing. You're offering, you're, you're offering a solution. You're offering value to a market. You're offering your perspective on that value to a community of people who want it, right? So I, I say to them, I say to people who are in this challenge, this struggle of trying to figure that out, I said, focus on offering your value and then understand the market of what you're offering it and, and realize you deserve to be paid for it. Like you right. deserve to be, to, be, to, be, to be given funds for a talent that you're offering. And when you can make that translation and do that, that's powerful. And the other thing I said, we didn't really touch on this, but the other thing that helped me a lot was I had a lot of coaches. I had a lot of mentors because if you, if you know somebody who's done it and can help you along that path and help make that process easier, that makes the whole journey way more effective. I wish I had a mentor earlier on. Like I had a mentor in the spiritual field, but then when you get in the business field, then you have to get a different kind of mentor. You have to get someone who's masterful in that vocation. So I was wise enough. And at some point I was wise enough and lucky enough to find teachers and mentors who could help me understand not only the value, 
of what I had to offer, which is what part of what I do, working with people's inner and outer relationships, but also not only the value, but then being able to translate that value in a way that's respectful for what you're offering and, and, and really demonstrates the level of value that you're offering. And, and I had people who could help me with the process of, of, of helping me execute and put that container together and then being able to refine that skill as I'm going along. I mean, you make a lot of false starts in business. Let's be clear. When I started out, there was a lot of false starts. I mean, a lot of accidents, a lot of mistakes, a lot of lost money, but with a, with a teacher or a mentor, somebody who's achieved it, they've already broken through the trailblaze the path. They've given me the map on how to be able to create that process and get there. And a lot of people don't, don't give that enough credit. I mean, you cannot do it all on your own. Every single person has some level of assistance, where it's, whether it's a book, a podcast, uh, a training. Now we have the, the ability to be on YouTube and get tons of training. But even having a teacher, a guide, or a mentor, man, that made the process so much more easy for me because I made a lot of false starts before I found somebody masterful to assist me in what I was doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I could, <laughs> I've had the same editor um, for 20 years. And so first it was my is okay how learning how to write as a young writer because I'll, I'll just I'll be honest I, I wasn't very good and um <laughs> because no beginner writer is right that's yeah and no and it's in and part of getting better is is and all I think most artists know this but I think for entrepreneurs they don't often make that translation that it takes time you know, you, you don't, you're not going to necessarily get to where you want to get to in three months or six months or the first year, right? You got to play the long game. And so as a writer, I was willing to do that. And then of course, the same editor now mentored me so that I'm also now work as an editor, but what you said about, and you know, I'm lucky enough to, to have a few successful entrepreneurs that I can look to, right. And right. you're, you are one of them, right? So uh, so that is, has been key for me in terms of um, getting through the ups and downs of this, of, of this first year. Um, now, the one thing I didn't do, and my apologies, I, di I didn't introduce um, your business. And I want to give you a chance to talk about that. And I know um, you have an online course that you, that you, you do, and I believe you have an upcoming podcast. Am I correct? Relationship? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Um, I mean, I've, I have a book. I put my first book out. And oh, right. Yes. Which was, which was a huge deal because that's the map. For me, I was trying to create and offer value, offer a tool for people to help them understand the inner and outer relationship. Because let's be clear, at any point in the game, in the entrepreneur game, there's a level of introspection that's required because you're going to have to battle your own demons and your own limiting conditioning that's preventing you from taking the leap, having the audacity to express that gift in the world and ask for money, right? right. So, I mean, part of my book is about inner and outer relationships. It's about that process of understanding your own conditioning. And then, I mean, obviously, as a coach, I, was co I coach people through that process through relationships, because really the relationships are the foundation of entrepreneurship too. It's entrepreneurship is a collaborative process. I mean, people want to talk about it as competition, but it's not, it's collaborative. No. We, we are, we are more collaborative of entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs rather because we are working with people and aligning 
with teachers, mentors, people who are colleagues, and we're working together. So for me, relationships is a key part of, of being an entrepreneur. And that's what my book is about, is about really nurturing those inner and outer relationships. But that's my game. My game is working with people to help them in that process. So there's coaching, there's a book, I have an online, uh, an online membership program with a ton of courses that I've recorded over the years, an upcoming podcast, which is not quite launched yet, but will eventually be, and everything else in between. So, I mean, again, that was my passion, right? I mean, if you look back, I started by wanting to understand the human condition, and that became the thing that obviously became the foundation of my business and how to then turn that into a business and work in the world offering value to other people. So, so that's the platform in which I work and help people with their stuff. Would you say, I, lo I love what you said there. Um, would you say that passion um, is, is, is a must have for an entrepreneur? Like that you have to be passionate about what you're doing or because I've seen this, it's, it kind of gets debated depending on in the entrepreneurship world where you say, well, I just want a better life for myself, or I just want to make extra money, but I'm not entirely certain that it's, it's disconnected. And I can only speak from my experience as a writer that when I started out writing and I told you I was bad, um, eventually I became good, but, mm -hmm. it, but it took years Right. Of, of, and I, you know, I'm not expecting an entrepreneur to say, well, you know, 10 years from now, you might make a couple hundred extra bucks if you just stick with it. But what I'm saying is, is that I love writing. And so, and editing is another thing. And so when I created my online writing course, it's because I love to teach. Like I love to teach people how to write. There's a passion there for that. Would you say, Marcus, that that is um, a must have quality in an entrepreneur? I think that passion is, it's the fuel, right? Like the, for me, it's the desire to continue to learn and you learn most by teaching, right? That's part of the, the biggest right. thing we learn. And, um, and then passion is, it has, let's, I would, I would change the word to meaningfulness. Like I have to have a meaningful, purposeful life. That's going to fuel me way more than just uh, an idea of changing, having a better life. Like I have to be passionate about something that is meaningful to me. So if it's something that you are deeply aligned with, whether it be writing or art or helping the environment, or in my case, it's consciousness and inner relationships, then you're working with something that you're never going to grow tired of because it's something that is, it's a driven thing in you that's, that, that it sparks something meaningful when you're doing it. And so if you, I have, I have never met an entrepreneur who's successful and masterful in their field who has not had a meaningful relationship with what they're doing because eventually that's not sustainable. So it has to have passion in it. It has to have meaningfulness in it. It has to have something that you align to that you're willing to put hours and hours and hours and hours, as you know, into it. And in, in, and then, and then turn that into a vocation where you don't feel like you're working. Now there's always parts of entrepreneurship that you things you don't like, like you may not like to do the accounting or the business elements of things, but what drives and carries you through those other things is that deep passion and meaningful relationship you have to what you're doing. And so the most successful people have that. They have, they have a level of self-awareness. They, they have explored themselves in their own conditioning. They have a teacher and a guide who's helping them move through it. 
they have a passion and a meaningfulness yeah. for what they're doing and they have this they have the desire to share that value in the world in their unique perspective and you, if you have all those things aligned and you put the work in and the time like you said the training and the willingness there is a high success rate and, and that's just tenacity to a certain degree. If you have a tenacity and, and the audacity mm. to continue, you will eventually keep going because that passion will keep you alive. Yeah. And, and you, what you said, too, about the hours, um, it's a lot of work. A lot of work. <laughs> so, it, right. And so, you know, people, um, I, I don't know if I had an expectation when I started out, you know, as to how many hours it was, was going to be um, that I was going to have to put in. But once I started developing this course, one of the things that you have to do as an entrepreneur, it's kind of like being a handyman, um, which I, as you know, Marcus, am not. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to fix anything, right? Can't tape it, can't oil it, you can't fix it. That's how, that's how we roll. Um, but in terms of you have to figure things out. So it's, oh, okay, so I'm going to put this online course. Now I got to learn how to use uh, PowerPoint. Now I have to, oh, I got to figure out how to do these slides. I got to, oh, I got to learn how to do video. And then, oh, I got to learn how to, you know, do like, it just, it every, it feels like every day or every week, you're always learning something new. Um, and so, yeah, I think you have to be in the curiosity and learning business. I, I would say that those, those are the two things. And the, and you have to kind of enjoy the process, but like, oh man, I just figured that out today. Okay. That's great. And then that alongside, empowering, right. That's so empowering. Like oh, when you talk, when you get that experience where you're self-reliant and you've figured something out and now you're learning it and you're testing it in the market, you're playing with it and seeing how it works and you're getting your feedback and then you're reworking it and refining it. There's a, there's an, there's an energy of excitement in the process of that creative visioning and then seeing your vision come to fruition and then refining that vision. And, and I, I mean, that the combination of that curiosity, and I like what you said about curiosity, because listen, if you're not curious about the process and wanting to learn, if you don't love to learn, if you don't want to be engaged at that level, because you have to be self-reliant and self-investigating everything that's going on and then refining everything, you know, it, it's, that's where most people falter. They falter when they give up because they don't want to stay in that, in the energy of that process. But once you get hooked on that, once you have a feeling of that spark, once your meaningfulness is activated, once that passion is alive and you're doing something that you feel connected to, then you, you will, if you have the tenacity, you will be unstoppable. Uh, and, you have the tools, and you have the tools and the teacher, right? Right, you have all yes. The, it's kind of a toolbox. If you have all the right pieces, you can really, really create something phenomenal that comes from you. That's, yeah. that's authentic right and so i mean again for me like that like you said it's like you have to be curious you have to be willing to learn you have to be willing to put the hours in i mean it's not for the faint-hearted i mean that's why they're heartfelt an entrepreneur who's connected to what they're doing is full of heart and love for the for whatever the craft is whatever it happens to be and yeah. and, and if you don't have that then that makes it a real then it makes it a gruel a grind right yeah and and it, it doesn't have that energy. No, I've, I've read about entrepreneurs who build a successful business and then they, and they're, and they're making really good money. And then they just leave because, because it wears them down, you know? And I, I, yeah. And I, like, I remember, um, so my online writing course, how to write in 90 minutes. And I remember the first time I got a good review, the, the first time somebody took the course 
and listen, um, it takes a certain amount of time, whatever you're, you know, how, you know, if you're creating something or putting a product on the market. And for me, it, it, it took almost a year to create it, to write it. And of course you're moving slower because you're also learning other, other things along the way. And I remember when I finished it and I thought, I'm not sure if this is any good because I hadn't released it. I hadn't gotten any feedback. And then that self-doubt creeps in. Right. And you're like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. And so then that first time somebody bought the course and then they, they were like, Oh man, this is so helpful. And then somebody else and then somebody else. And that's the juice you're talking about. Right. And you're like, Oh, I, I, I think I'm actually making a difference here. Right. Yeah. Like it was worth it. You know, feedback, the feedback, I mean, when you're in your own echo chamber creating it, sometimes it's really challenging to get an understanding of the value you're putting out there. But getting that feedback gives you the opportunity to revisit it from the eyes of somebody else and understand that the value is landing, that you're doing something, you know, it's, it's making a difference. And yeah. then gives you the opportunity to refine because from that feedback, you will understand what works and what doesn't work. And that's another trap because a lot of people they they have difficulty in the refinement process because they think they're kind of destroying their work, but you're not. You're cultivating and crafting that work to, to you're honing it. I mean, there's a reason why Apple doesn't put, when Apple puts out a, an iPod or, a, or a, a new phone, that they have a bunch of updates after the fact because they put it in the market, they test it, and they find the things that are wrong with it. They find the things that are right. They find the things that people are finding value with. They find the things that don't work, and then they pull it back and they do updates. I mean, every yeah. single entrepreneur has to go through. If you won't, if you won't take the feedback from the market, remember you're putting it out for people. So you want them, you want to know the feedback from the market because that's, that's right. going to determine how you move forward. Or in your next project or your next iteration of your product, then you refine it in so that it's, it, it can offer more value or it's more accessible. Because it's not often the value that's in question; it's the accessibility and the vehicle that people that people need to refine yeah because right? you have the talent you have the ideas you understand and you're giving the message but maybe the way you're translating the message isn't as effective in the market so then you have to learn that and that's, that's right. a big thing for entrepreneurs too because they feel like well i don't want to compromise the message but you're not necessarily compromising the message you're just changing the container right, right. and you can get that without feedback you can't no you're in your own, like you said, when I was in my own echo chamber and doing it, I'm like, how do I know it's good? I mean, I think it's good. Maybe it's not good. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know until you put it out there and all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I get some objective perspectives of people who are taking it in, using this product, understanding the course, looking at the coaching and then saying, okay, here's what it did for me or here's what it could have done better. Yeah. Right. And for sure. Yeah, I, I and I to, to me so as a novelist, I I compare it to, um, you know, there are different ways that people prep for writing a book, and so but I'm what they call a pantser, right? Right by the seat of my pants. It's a really official sounding name, but in the business, that's what we're called. And so, but I I I do what um, Stephen King would would tell talk about his process in that he's discovering the story, right? So I start with a what if situation, and I've written every novel this way and I chip away at it. Like um, like if you're carving a statue and you chip away, you chip away, you're searching for that story. Um, and then of course you have to go through multiple edits because I, you know, if you're, if you listen to my other videos, writing is rewriting. 
Um, and so you chip away, chip away, chip away. And I, I feel like that's also the process of entrepreneurship in, in that um, you're, you're, you're discovering it, right? Like, as you said, you put it out there, you get feedback. Okay, okay, this doesn't work. This works. This doesn't work. You're sort of chipping away, right? And, and so to, to find that story, and in this case, you know, this is the story of your entrepreneurship and, and how that can and will work for you. Anyway, listen, Marcus, this has been unbelievable. I'm so happy that, uh, that you came on the show and we were able to hear your story. Um, and people can find you. I'm going to put the links down below, but is there anything you want to add about where people can find you or um, how they can get in touch with you? Well, they can definitely find me through my website, marcuscastnich.com. And certainly the book is available on Amazon. Um, the, the, it's called the IRAM, a map to creating conscious relationships. Uh, all that's available. And of course, you can find my coaching programs and a lot of the different, and I do a webcast. I do a monthly webcast as well. So that's all, that's all available for the public. People can find in those links and, and touch base if they find, if they want to work on that inner process, if they want to go through the process of self evaluation and work through the conditioning to really, when you're working your relationships, every relationship is, is an inside job. And I like to to help people to work their relationships from the inside out because inevitably you're going to that's going to influence the way you engage with all levels of your entrepreneurship and and all your relationships in life so those are th those are ways that you can connect connect with me and, mm. and tap into some of the tools that i'm offering that's amazing and i i do recommend marcus and uh i am familiar with his book and the and as his insights and have listened to him in the past it's obviously why we wanted him on the show and so there, guys, get in touch with them. Um, find out the information, and again, he has stuff that's it's it's out there and it and it's uh, it's available to you. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Um, again, we will be back next week. This is season one, um, and every week we will have a new guest. All right, Marcus. Thanks again, and everyone listening, take care, and we'll see you soon.